The Welcome to the Show podcast is independently produced by me, Manny Gomez, and CT. Help people find our show by taking two minutes to leave a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you. What's up, everybody? It's the Welcome to the Show podcast. Today, I'm riding solo and we are re-releasing a couple of old episodes that you may have already heard, but if you haven't, here they are again. Um, So the first episode is an interview we did with Billy Corbin, who's the director of Screwball, which is a documentary about the biogenesis scandal that occurred in in Major League Baseball uh, during the earlier parts of the 2010s in that area. Um, I'm re-releasing these, this episode because Screwball, the documentary, is re-released in, on Netflix and it's available to a wider audience. So we're noticing that there's been an uptick in some of these uh, in some of these in- interviews in our on our website. So we figured we'd make it a little bit easier for people to find by re-releasing the interviews in its entirety right here. So in this episode, you're going to listen to our talk with Billy Corbin. We're going to go through uh, a list of some of the movies that he's directed, how he went about. Uh, doing screwball, where he got the idea from, which you'll find kind of surprising, and we'll get into the whole, you know, the whole shebang with with uh, screwball. So, without further ado, here's Billy Corbin on the Welcome to the Show podcast. From the moment I remember, I wanted to be a baseball player. It was the American dream. I got kicked off the team for smoking weed. It was a disaster. My plan was go into medicine. The Belize School of Medical and Performing Arts. What is Florida about? It's about vanity and sex. It was a perfect place for the anti-aging movement. Especially down here in Miami, everyone wants things now, now, now. There's almost no regulations. You'd have people who pretended to be doctors given all types of medical advice. He had a white lab coat that said Dr. Tony Bosch. He had a stethoscope around his neck. Yeah, I assumed he was a doctor. Manny was the first VIP client. Within weeks, his focus was much better. He felt a lot quicker. This guy says, yeah, my cousin's in the Yankees. It was an A-Rod. He says, I want whatever Manny was taking. I had a true believer right away. You know, seven days after he started my program, he went ahead and in one game, he hit three home runs. And he said, I'll give you an extra 150 grand a year if you give me an exclusivity. I said, for 200, you got a deal. Listen, each home run costs money. At this time, Biogenesis had close to 300 athletes. We were consuming so much product, I had to go to the black market. Okay, I just stumbled across some kind of steroid wing. I didn't think I was gonna get caught. I was busy going to parties. My cocaine bill was $6,000 a month. The biggest steroid scandal in sports history exploded over $4,000. Look, if I don't get my money, I'll blow this whole thing up. It was just an absolute clown show. Get rid of steroids now. This is my whole life, my legacy. You tell me why I should serve one inning. Tony Bosch is not a doctor. Tony Bosch is a drug dealer. Coke addict, bad son, bad father, bad brother, bad everything. What can you tell us about that? No comment. He's lucky he's not in the canal anywhere. This guy's connected. A lot of people involved. Don't do this. You're going to get killed. So I got my nine millimeter. For every sleazy thing Major League Baseball did in trying to pay witnesses, threatening people to cooperate, A-Rod and his crew were doing almost the exact same thing. You pretty much can forget the Hall of Fame. It was almost like, hey, Mom, I made it to the big leagues, but in a different way, you know? (laughs) You can't make this up. So let me start off with this real quick. I just need to know how in God's name did you get away with telling this story? Because 
Um, I've come across a few baseball stories um, in my time through through some sources, and there's times where I'm afraid to publish it because they are a powerful entity. They're a multi-billion-dollar industry, and um, it seems like they can get a, get away with murder. So how did you get away with it? How did you get away with uh, and, making screwball? And Major League Baseball is, in fact, a legal monopoly uh, in mm-hmm. this country as well. Yeah, so so very a very powerful multi-billion-dollar organization that has. Uh, also defrauded countless municipalities in a quest to publicly finance their ballparks, you know, to, to, yeah. to make, to make rich people even richer. I mean, the whole sports welfare scam was, was really, uh, refined and perfected by major league baseball. And, mm. uh, in fact, one of the biggest mistakes they ever made was, uh, actually ha- expanding franchises into Florida because Florida always used to be their stalking horse. Remember, yeah. it always used to be, if you don't give us what we want, we're going to move to Florida. We're going to move the team to Florida, you know, and then once they opened, you know, they started two teams in Florida. Nobody gives a shit about <laughs> nobody, yeah, nobody yeah. gives a shit about th- those teams rank at the bottom of, uh, of attendance. They're just like the it's the worst of everything. And now they don't have their stocking horse anymore. Now they got to be like, well, we'll move to Vegas. <laughs> now that, you know, uh, They have to say so. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a pretty um, a powerful uh, moneyed and litigious uh, organization, and as evidenced by the amount of money they spent on this uh, this uh, A Rod investigation and this biogenesis mm-hmm. uh, hustle, the amount of millions of dollars that they spent on Tony Bosch, who was the fake doctor that uh, you know that treated A Rod, Manny Ramirez, and Ryan Braun, uh, et cetera. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, but I got to tell you, I don't make my living in baseball, yeah. so you know there, there's an odd kind of dynamic between. Um, sports writers and sports, you know, uh, I don't want to say journalists per se, because people, but people who cover sports, mm-hmm. there's a weird dynamic between them and the teams and leagues that they cover. And yeah. I, I don't begrudge you that it comes along with the, with the game. You know, you have to, you kind of have, you, you almost serve at the pleasure of the people that you're supposed to be objectively covering, you right. know? And so that, that puts you in a tenuous uh, uh, position sometimes, like you said, when you get a good story, um, you, if you're the byline on it, you might be in some deep shit. You might not get the access that you need to do your job. So it's always a really, it's a really tight spot. You know, they expect you to diss their players and diss their coaches and, you know, and, and in terms of management and, and game decisions and performance, but you can't hit the pocketbook, you know, and you can't, you can't, there's certain things that are, that I get are off limits, but I don't give a shit. Uh, mm-hmm. I, don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't serve at the pleasure of anybody, but our audience, you know, and, yeah. and uh, we, we look for great stories and we try to tell them well, uh, and stories that we think are going to resonate with an audience and entertain an audience and, and tell, you know, uh, tell them about something they might not know, uh, about or, or give them, give them some additional insight on. And so that's our only priority. You know, yeah. we don't really look at like, oh, well, what are the repercussions of this? Is are, am I never going to go to another Marlins game again? Who gives a shit? Nobody goes to a Marlins game, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you know so, I mean, you know, we we I will say this though, we have the truth on our side. We have facts on our side. Um, we've been making documentaries for almost twenty years, and this is the most meticulously researched documentary we have ever made. Uh, exactly for that reason, to make sure that uh, we were uh, reporting facts. 
and um, we obtained documents that had never been released publicly, transcripts of sworn testimony. So we were able to fact check against sworn testimony. Um, we, we, we researched basically every line of the movie to make sure that, that it was uh, factually uh, accurate. And so yeah. that, that was the one thing we did uh, to make sure that we were covered. And we're talking about Screwball here. The way I describe it, this is this is my quips, quick synopsis of it without trying to give too much away. It's a true crime drama comedy. It's, it involves baseball's probably biggest scandal ever, the, the biogenesis scandal, which involves a fake doctor. When I watch the movies, I mean, I've, I've heard Porter Fisher's name left and right. And to, to sum him up, I mean, he seems like a, a decent guy. He's actually going to come on the show, so I don't want to talk too much shit about him. <laughs> but he's a, he's a, he's a tan-obsessed basically client slash investor of Tony Bosch. And the story also involves Alex Rodriguez. Um, I would say, yeah, and- <laughs> I would say the black, the black Sox scandal is probably a big, yeah, that's, yeah, that one scandal, was, but, but that's that one true. That, the cake. But that involves, one, but that involves gambling. Yeah, but this one definitely involves the highest paid player in the history of the game. So there's something yeah. to be said for that. And, that uh, and, it, and it involves major league baseball itself. You know what I mean? It, I just, it, yeah. I want to I want to get this out of the way. I'm I'm probably like the biggest A Rod fan between the three of us. And Manny warned me about watching this movie before beforehand, saying that it paints A Rod in a, kind of like a bad picture and everything. But I'm still a huge A Rod fan. Like the movie didn't sway me in the other direction. But what I did love about the movie is that it it's like A Rod was the one that came out looking bad in the whole thing because he's A Rod. But in reality, like nobody was innocent in this entire thing. Like every Every character, including Major League, especially Major League Baseball, was not innocent in this entire thing. So, uh, oh yeah, oh no, I I agree. Nobody's got clean hands, and the the movie's not intended to make anyone in particular look bad or to make you not like anyone you like. Yeah. It's just it's just absolutely accurate. Meaning that yeah. like we didn't we weren't trying to make A Rod look bad. We were just trying to show you exactly what he did, how he behaved. Uh, we didn't even – I got to tell you the truth. The movie barely scratches the surface because it's really not about A-Rod. I mean in terms mm-hmm. of A-Rod's misbehavior, if you will, or his conduct in this whole situation. I mean he he allegedly lied to the DEA during a Queen for a Day meeting, uh, which is a federal crime. I mean some, some, oh, some, of, Trump, some of Trump's people got in trouble for that. Um, right. Papadopoulos, I think, got indicted for that. So um, the whole point of a Queen for a Day meeting is you're allowed – you can tell them anything and they agree not to – prosecute you or hold it against you and he allegedly lied in that meeting um which is not only not unwise but it's it's like i said it's a federal crime um so there's all sorts of he he bought um when he bought a uh that hard drive you see it in the movie um when they were you had a you had major league baseball investigators with a bag full of cash uh from i can only presume some mlb slush fund or something um that they were turning over to a convicted felon in a Mm -hmm. diner for stolen medical records, which Mm -hmm. we have a former uh, investigator for the Florida Department of Health who alleges that that was in fact a crime committed by Major League Baseball's investigators also, for which no one was held accountable. But while while they were doing that, the felon had the the great idea that not only was he gonna sell these uh, records, stolen records, for $125,000 cash to Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball investigators. But he was going to have a buddy at another table film the transaction, wow. the shady transaction with his iPhone, so they could turn around and sell that video to A-Rod <laughs> to, so he could prove that MLB was acting all, all shady. But here's the funny thing. He panicked or something, and he deleted 
the video off the hard drive uh. and sold A-Rod a blank hard drive for mm. six figures. Wow. And A-Rod allegedly sent the hard drive all around the world to data recovery services to try to get, to try to recover the deleted uh, video from the hard drive. Never did. And so the felon never got his second six-figure payment with that he was mm. due. Uh, if they were able to recover it, he only got the first one. Um, you've got private eyes running amok from both MLB and A-Rod. Um, you've got Major League Baseball abusing the uh, uh, the courts uh, and filing a frivolous lawsuit just to compel people that they wanted to to testify in their investigation and arbitration against A-Rod. They sued them for no reason, just basically to force them to have to come to the table or maybe be deposed under under oath. It was just it was a lot of abuse abuses occurring on all sides. And like you said, nobody's hands are clean in this. So did A-Rod or Major League Baseball come after you in any way, shape or form? Like, did they threaten you or anything like that? Well, I mean, I don't I don't expect an invitation to J-Lo and A-Rod's wedding. (laughs) But uh, but no, 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 nobody is, is, as you put it, come after us. Um, I think the head in the sand approach is a pretty wise one. It's served Alex pretty well. Uh, for the past few years, um, if you just ignore it, you know, it, stuff just seems to go away. And, yeah. uh, you know, this is a guy who's never apologized or never really acknowledged the full extent of his of his wrongdoing or his lies to the public or to his fans or uh, friends or teammates or, or anyone for that matter. So and he's and he's doing pretty good, I think. So yeah. I, yeah. I think their goal is to just sort of ignore it uh, and maybe it'll just. Uh, go away. But the funny thing about it is, is that um, the reason why we made this documentary is because it was first pitched to us in November of 2013 by Alex Rodriguez in person. So, <laughs> wow. That's how this all started. That's how we started to to make this <laughs> this documentary. That's uh, insane, man. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to just say this before i forget later on in the interview but uh the funniest part of me the funniest part to me in the entire movie i'm not giving away any key details but the funniest the funniest part was when uh the a-rods guy went to ask him for money he's like hey i need four thousand or was it ten thousand dollars i think says i need ten thousand dollars and it's the two kids (laughs) talking to each other but then he peeks over at the minotaur painting and he just looks at him like kind of like oh you're a weird dude (laughs) that was the funniest part of the movie I, i was like literally laughing when i yeah, saw the, that the, the famous or or perhaps apocryphal centaur painting yeah. oh the centaur alex's, centaur yeah alex's head on it yeah which which, <laughs> which i've heard from people who have actually been in that apartment who who claim to have seen it and i'm not even entirely sure but i know in that that new york magazine interview that he did recently like in the last week or two yeah he mentioned like he was asked point blank about it and he he basically gave this sort of non-denial denial where he said, I do not currently own a centaur painting of myself, and, <laughs> but but doesn't really answer the question, have you ever owned a centaur painting yeah. of yeah. yourself? So I it leads me to believe that perhaps at one time or another he did. And I'm kind of pissed because if he did and he got rid of it but didn't auction it off to charity, that's pretty aggravating because oh, he could man. probably make a lot of money auctioning yeah. that off. For charity, I, he probably I'm, never wants that thing to see the light of day. Come on, <laughs> I'm I'm a huge A Rod fan. I'm the biggest A Rod fan, but I can't defend the guy. He's weird sometimes. He just sounds weird too. Listen, like you're 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 winning you're winning that fantasy league, man. Because I I mean, like whoever thought we would ever live to see the day where 
everybody loved A-Rod and hated Jeter. Like, when the hell did that happen? Wow, yeah, yeah you're right. Didn't yeah, even think of true. it like that. Yeah, it's like Alice in Wonderland. We're through the looking glass. Seriously, <laughs> that's exactly what it is. <laughs> and so, so real quick on Porter Fisher, because to me, he's the most interesting character in this whole thing, just because it's like a head-scratcher. Like, I'm trying to figure this guy out. So, and not just Porter Fisher, t- Tony Bosch, too. Like, this was all over four thousand dollars, and the and and Tony Bosch specifically has access to multi million dollar individuals out there. He couldn't have asked somebody for the money to shut this guy up. You know what I mean? Like, what was that about? It's it's almost like Porter Fisher doesn't understand the the meaning of uh of leverage. You know what I mean? Like he just took the, the documents and and just started making copies of it and handing it to people. It's like that's not how it works. Like, yeah. did he ever explain that to you? Like, did, did any of this stuff ever come to his mind? You know what I mean? Uh, what's the um, what's the line from uh, from uh, Dark Knight when in when an immovable object meets an unstoppable force? Yeah, that's oh, yeah. that's like Tony and Porter. You know, <laughs> like it's it, it it's it's a really bizarre dynamic, obviously. You know, and and the fact that as you said, I I try to sum it up for people who when I say like the movie's not really about A-Rod because A-Rod's kind of like collateral damage. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. But don't, don't, don't tell A-Rod that it's not about yeah. him. <laughs> don't, don't tell A-Rod nothing's not all about him. But, um, <laughs> but uh, he's, he's somewhere kissing himself in the mirror right now. But uh, <laughs> the, uh, the fact is that this story is about how essentially the career of the highest paid player in the history of the game effectively ended over a $4,000 debt between a cocaine-addicted fake doctor and his fake tan-addicted steroid patient. Like, that's what's so batshit about this whole it's story. Yeah, and, and so when when you are when you ask that question, like, well, why the hell didn't he just pay him the money? Or, <laughs> and the truth is that, that Tony, and Tony's quite candid about this, Tony's kind of in, like, he's in a downward spiral at this point in his life. Mm-hmm. You know, all of this is coming to a head. Um you know, his, his players are starting to piss dirty. You know, Melky Cabrera is one of them. Um, Bartolo Colon, I think that was like back to back. Um, and he, you know, he is like putting all of his money directly up his nose. Uh, he is not paying his child support, his rent, his cable bill, um, nothing. And he's just, he's, he's swiftly approaching rock bottom. And, that's what's happening during the same time period. This, you know, Porter Fisher comes and offers, um, and offers him uh, some money to invest or to get involved in the project, and they call it a loan, and he's going to pay interest. And it's just really—I don't want to say it's a complicated arrangement; it's just a baffling arrangement. Now, I, 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 we've investigated this pretty thoroughly, and we're still not sure we fully understand what the nature of this agreement was. I do know that Tony didn't pay it. Uh, in a timely fashion. And here, here's the other messed up thing about it. When I say a timely fashion, it wasn't just four grand. It was like four weeks also. Yeah. It, like, it, it wasn't like – Porter has a short fuse, let's say. you know. So he And he got pissed, and when he started to realize how shady – he thought Tony was a doctor. Let me put it to you that way. Tony was not a doctor. Uh, when he started to realize the shadiness of this whole operation that he believed in so much and really wanted to get behind and be a part of and, you know, and, and promote and, and maybe even invest in, uh, it, he was pretty pissed and he was, you know, pretty heartbroken. And it was like finding out uh, Santa Claus doesn't exist, <laughs> I, and he, you know, and he and so he the shit hit the fan really yeah. quick. 
Porter, Porter Fisher reminds me in the movie, especially the way he was talking, he reminds me of like the Incredible Hulk. But instead of like, instead of a sheen of green, he turns, you know, he turns into a sheen of orange or brown from all the tanning. <laughs> and because um, <laughs> he just seems like he just he just he it, like he just lets things go and go and go. And eventually he just explodes. And he's just like, I'm sick of this shit. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's a little it's a little quirky. I mean, it's a very a, a lot of these characters exist in that kind of. Elmore Leonard, Carl Hyacin, mm-hmm. uh, Coen Brothers esque kind of like only in Miami uh, kind of characters. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what it reminded me of. It, it reminded me of a Coen Brothers movie. And in, in actuality, one of the questions I wanted to ask you was: um, This is a very unusual documentary in that, it, to me, it felt like a like a feature film, like a fi- not a fictional, but like a, with actors and stuff. Well, you did have actors. Um, what is, is, was this like an expensive project to make? Um, like, you know, why did, why did you film it this way? Why didn't you film it like a traditional documentary? Well, you know, we've done, uh, sports docs in the past. You know, we, we did the ESPN 30 for thirties, the U and the U part two. And when you do a sports doc, um, it's, it's kind of a straightforward proposition. I don't want to uh, you know, belittle the angst of documentary filmmakers. Documentaries are, are difficult to make, but it's a pretty straightforward process. I mean, you know, you interview the sports guys and they tell you about sports and then you go get the sports game footage and you put that footage over the people talking about the sports. You know what I mean? Like it's a very, it's, it's not paint by numbers, but it's pretty straightforward. So mm. here you might've noticed that they only mention th- maybe three baseball games in the entire movie. You know, they mentioned that Kansas City game uh, that A-Rod plays in. It's the first game after Tony starts treating him, and he hits three, three home runs. So there's a little brief clip from that. There's some clips at the end when the scandal erupts in 2013 and the pitchers start gunning for him. You know, you know, um, yeah. and, you know so there's a couple of clips. That, but that's it. Otherwise, what do you do with the rest of the hour and 40 minutes of the documentary? And so we knew we were going to have to do some some reenactments. And so... Uh, you know, all this shady shit goes down in uh, nightclubs, in you know, fake doctors' clinics, in sports bars, in locker rooms, in hotels. So we were going to have to film those scenes and bring them to life again with with you know with actors. And uh, so um, I also noticed that but both Tony Bosch and Porter Fisher had very similar storytelling styles yeah. where they talk in dialogue. Um, you know, it's a real like. You know, I walked into his office and I said, where's my money? And he said, well, I don't have your money. And I said, you better get my money. And he says, I'm Tony Bosch. What are you going to do about it? And I said, oh, I'm going to wring your neck. And, and I was like, oh, shit, we could drunk history this. You know, we yeah, could have yeah. the actors on set lip syncing the dialogue right from the mouth of our interview subjects. And all of the actors are going to be eight, nine and ten years old. Mm. And that's <laughs> that's what we that's what I decided we, we were going to going to do for this because first of all the movie was always called screwball meaning we always wanted to be this bizarre irreverent you know uh, farce this screwball comedy and so that was the tone of the whole thing all along uh but then when we realized you know we have to do recreations reenactments we were like well we have to do it in a way that kind of supports the the light tone, you know, the comedic tone of the movie. Yeah. So you didn't want to do something dark or, 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 you know, mysterious or noirish. And so we, we, we went and, uh, and, and came up with a style that we thought would be, would be fun, would be lighthearted and would support, um, the overall tone of the movie. And not to mention that every single one of the adults 
in this story acted like a child. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it seemed to all it seemed to all work out. And in the end, we kind of bring the point home, I think, uh, without spoiling anything that that really the, the victims here are the kids, both the mm. high school kids that Tony Bosch uh, injected and and rightfully went to prison uh, for doing so. Um, but also the kids who look up to these players and these athletes like their role models. And really, they're, you know, the a, a lot of the best of them are liars, cheaters, and stealers. So, you know, so I think that, you know, ultimately the kids who, who look up to these guys as role models are, are the victims. And it, yeah. it worked, I mean, it worked perfectly. The, the, having the kids narrate was great because it just, it really highlighted how absurd this whole story is in reality. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and I, one of my favorite parts was when, when A-Rod and Tony Bosch were in that nightclub in Miami and they lost a vial of blood, and I'm just like, "Are you fucking kidding me? Like, you're yeah. a, you make two hundred million, you or you're worth like four hundred million dollars, and you're in a nightclub getting injected by this fake doctor, and then you lose the vial of blood, and you're on the floor looking for it. it's insane." Yeah, yeah, that it's was insane. it. Live Nightclub, one of the most yeah. famous clubs in the world, at the Fountain Blue Hotel in Miami Beach, and we shot the scene with like, what, 30, 40 kids. Yeah, that's um, great. <laughs> we shot it in the actual live nightclub while oh it was closed, God. of course, uh, you know, on, on an off day, yeah. Is there is there something... Oh, no, go ahead, CT, my bad. I was just going to say that I'm, I'm, I'm watching the movie, right, and I'm and I'm always like, I didn't know how to feel because I remember when the whole thing was taking place and, and that game where A-Rod came back and he, you know, he was at Fenway and Ryan Dempster... Plunk, try to plunk him and then he didn't and then Girardi I'll, I'll never forget that game because A-Rod came back later that game and hit a home run and I was I was I was like finally like there's something good in this whole hurricane that's going on and then I remember seeing the Tony Bosch uh, 60 interview and just like I was just so pissed off only to find out that this guy's like a cokehead that he was just trying to cut a deal and you know like he could have it could have gone he basically played a uh a bigger role than I, I don't even know how I'm trying to word it, but the movie kind of like just made me feel better about the whole thing because it was a, a mess. It was just a complete mess, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, you have to accept kind of a rod's contribution to the madness. Yeah. I mean, he was not yeah, exactly yeah. a passive oh, yeah, uh, player uh, in, in all of this. And, and, and Tony, you know, had to make a decision at some point about whose side he was going to, Beyond, I think he says in the documentary that um, uh, Alex may be an eccentric multimillionaire, but MLB were eccentric billionaires. So mm -hmm. he ultimately sided uh, with them. I think at some point Alex paid him like $50,000 or something like that to help out with his legal bills. But in the end, MLB spent – he does the – he pulls out his uh, – you know, like his, his budget and he goes through all the line items – and how much MLB spent on his living expenses, his personal protection, you know, bodyguards, his attorneys, uh, his travel, and uh, it comes out to just over four million dollars. Insane! Wow. So he 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 went with the uh, I guess he went with the right team. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there. yeah. The deeper there pockets. Go. God knows. Did, did you ever get to talk to Eddie Dominguez, uh, who just wrote the book Baseball Cop? Did you ever get a chance to speak with him? My producing partner Alfred Spellman uh, has on on several occasions. He was in the process of finishing his book and didn't want to talk uh, right. on camera, which I think is a shame. Um, it is. We've we've also been in touch with uh, at least one other, I will say, 
of the investigators involved in the case. And I've spoken to over half a dozen, actually more than that, nearly a dozen people who were involved in the situation, some of whom are mentioned in the movie, uh, but we did not get to interview on camera right. uh, as part of our process of verifying certain facts. And right. I will tell you that every time someone has a – Eddie, I think, was skeptical for a while, but he finally did watch the movie and tweeted something very nice about it uh, just Good. a few days ago about the accuracy of the movie. That's what I, I keep finding is that you know they, people hear about the movie, people who are involved, I mean, in the actual events. They hear about the movie. Um, they kind of shit talk it. They they're concerned about it. Then they see it and they're like, oh yeah, that's how it went down. You know, it might, you know, it, yeah. it might not be a hundred percent of the story, but you know, we only have so much time in an hour and 40 minutes, you know, right. but like, um, but, but everybody who was involved in the story that I'm aware of, no matter whose side they were on or what they were doing, really everybody was on their own side to tell you the truth. But like everybody who sees it says, yeah, like the facts that you report are a hundred percent accurate. Obviously mm -hmm. there's more to the story, but everything in there is the way it went down. Yeah, we had Eddie Dominguez on last year when his book came out, and a lot of a lot of the things that came out in this movie is corroborated in his book. And he was the only the only member of the DOI that that didn't sign that an NDA, a non non disclosure agreement. So he's out there talking about this stuff, but nobody's buying his book. It's insane. Um, and I, I'm hoping that this movie, because it, it is, it's, it's a good, I mean, my wife, my wife could get, could get two shits about baseball. She watched it. She liked it. You know, it was, it's, it's a good, it's a funny movie. It feels like a coat. That's the perfect description of Coen brothers movie. Um, and yeah, I urge everybody to watch it. Screwball. It's, a, it's available on video on demand. I wanted to ask you another question. Is there something that's not in the movie that you wish you could have, that you wish you had more time or more money or something to put into? Uh, yeah, there was a couple things that that because of exactly those reasons, a uh, budget and schedule, we weren't able to do. Okay. There was a car chase that went down. Porter Fisher was being chased around the South Miami Pinecrest area, like his neighborhood and right around where the Boca Tanning Salon was across from the University of Miami. He was in a car chase and he had called up Pete Carbone, who owned the 24-hour tanning salon, who started to chase the car that was chasing Porter. So you mm. had this like three-way car chase going on. And he apparently, Pete Carbone is like a, a, a like just a giant gorilla of a, of a man. This like just Italian kid who like worked out all the time was obviously probably, you know, doing something more than working out, you know, to enhance the process mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and tan, spray tanning all the time. And so he like was apparently driving around in a smart car which the image of that in and of oh itself shot this oversized man in this miniaturized <laughs> car in a slow speed car chase oh my God. around this neighborhood that then, and I thought it was all bullshit. And then I, we pulled the police records and it really happened. And these guys were private investigators. We're not sure if they were MLB or Alex Rodriguez's people. We suspect uh, MLB, uh, but they were following him around and he got, uh, freaked out Porter and he started to, to, to accelerate. They started to accelerate. He called Pete for help. Pete came in. It was, it turned into this whole like roadside road rage incident. The cops showed up. It was a, it was a whole, whole to do. And that was in the middle of the movie. And we just couldn't afford to do oh, a car man. chase with a bunch of eight year old kids. And, um, the second scene was an epilogue in federal prison. When Tony Bosch went to prison, he wound up in a, what they call a camp, which is like a even below minimum security, kind of facility um, right in Alabama. 
And in the camp, they had classes. And Tony, among other subjects, taught a nutrition class to his fellow prisoners. That's and his, his fellow inmate was Jeff Skilling from the Enron scandal. He was teaching a business course to his <laughs> fellow inmates. And another inmate was Jesse Jackson Jr., who was in prison for corruption, who was teaching a politics and civics class to his fellow inmates. They say prison's the, you know, the best place to get an education if you're a criminal. Uh, exactly. But I, I imagine this, this epilogue scene, you know, with all these kids in their prison jumpsuits, you know, <laughs> oh teaching God. these classes, like little baby Jesse Jackson Jr., a little baby Jeff Skilling, and we were never able to, uh, to get to that one either. Oh, my oh, God. Man. That would have been amazing. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, and then, so with Porter Fisher, how 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 did he come out of this unscathed? I'm I'm just shocked that one of these guys didn't rough him up or something. Um, <laughs> I mean, has I guess that's my question. How how is he still with us today? <laughs> well, if, if you think about it, he didn't quite get out unscathed. He's like the one guy that made no money. Uh, yeah, the, he, he got screwed <laughs> in the end. Yeah, like the only guy who got zero dollars. Uh, which is remarkable. And he was the guy that, that sort of, you know, kicked it all off. He was, he was the guy that, that tipped the first domino and yet he made nothing out of it and, and theoretically effectively kind of ruined his life for several years. You know, he was really scared. He was really concerned about, um, you know, threats being made against his life from people involved in the scandal, from people not involved in the scandal. I mean, he was afraid of just fans, you know, like, uh, you know, of, of of some of the players that might, seek retribution uh so he was his life was a living hell uh for a while and so um so when you say unscathed i guess it's relatively speaking you know like now it's been like six years and some water under the bridge he's he's sort of returned to a a normal life and and work um but it was really hard for him for a really long time um but there was definitely there was definitely some some threats Uh, uh tony bosch claimed there were threats against his life as well for the same the same reason, you know, particularly when the pressure was on him to start cooperating with Major mm-hmm. League Baseball against Alex and the other players. Um, I and I think that he uh, he claims there were some threatening voicemails left, people threatening his family. Uh, he he had said that you know we didn't ha- we couldn't uh, back up um, any of those claims. I had no reason not to believe him, but right. part of the reason we didn't use it in the doc was because we weren't able to independently verify it as we were a lot of the other information. Again, I have no reason to believe that he wasn't telling us the truth. We just couldn't uh, independently confirm it. But he claims that was part of the, the, the anvil that broke the camel's back when he decided to cooperate with Major League Baseball, that, that mm-hmm. he got a, a voicemail that not only threatened him, but specifically mentioned his family. And then he was like, well, that's it. I need protection and I need you know, deep pockets to, to help me weather this storm. Yeah. yeah. One of the, one of the guys that I've talked to uh who also ran an anti-aging clinic. I don't want to say his name. He wants to remain anonymous, but he mm-hmm. claims that his clinic was shut down too after biogenesis and that Major League Baseball ran amok down in Miami. Um is this is this something tr- is this true? Like how could how could Major League Baseball, an industry with no no power to close down businesses, but uh in- effectively impact so many uh, so many businesses in Florida. Is that even a true, you know, accusation, or is or is that total, you know, bullshit? Without knowing who you're talking about, and I I, I respect uh, the, their anonymity, but without knowing who they're talking about, I can't confirm it. But it would not surprise me. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Major League Baseball yields a lot of 
uh, power, especially in that world, you know, in, in, in the world of, of juicing and anti-aging and testosterone clinics and all that, you know, the HGH places. And, and to be fair, again, not knowing the particular person you're talking about, a lot of them operate in kind of a gray market, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. area. Uh, so some of them, some of them have legitimate, uh, doctors as their medical directors, <laughs> but sometimes those doctors are, it's like a no show job, you know, where they're literally renting their, uh, prescription pad and DEA numbers to, to entrepreneurs, let's say like Tony Bosch, who, um, in Tony's case wore a lab coat and a stethoscope and, and, and portrayed himself, uh, as a doctor, um, and was using the prescription pad of other legitimate doctors who are basically on the back nine, you know, <laughs> hitting mm -hmm. the, hitting the links at uh, Mar-a-Lago while this guy was uh, was writing uh, prescriptions. And of course, when he didn't have access to prescriptions or legitimate shit, he turned to the black market and when was, was buying testosterone and HGH out of a garage of a guy in a suburb of Miami who was mixing the shit up, you know, like uh, Breaking Bad style. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is Oogie. <laughs> Uh, well, Oogie was the middleman. Oogie wasn't okay. actually cooking it, but he was the the guy that uh, allegedly helped Tony uh, get it from this other right. guy in in his garage. But like, so what I'm saying is, is that like, you know, it's it's tough to run a clean operation in this sort of gray market. You know, there's a there's usually a lot of violations that that if someone wants to target you and and put you out of business, uh, and that person has contacts in the Department of Health in a given state or a county, uh, which you, you would think Major League Baseball would have that kind of influence, especially when there's, the, especially after the scandal erupted, you know, um, uh, they were able to, I, I would not be surprised to learn that they were able to, uh, you know, to, to have that kind of power. Yeah. Um, and real, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say uh, with, with Tony Bosch, like, even though he was pretending to be a doctor and all this, his, his, uh, his dosages and his formulas, they they clearly worked. I mean, I think the only reason he got caught with Manny Ramirez was because Manny, uh, I guess, dosed himself a little too late or early, I believe it was. And with and obviously with the whole A-Rod thing, if it wasn't for uh, uh, Porter ratting him out and all that stuff. But, I mean, are we do we believe that it was actually Tony that came up with these, uh, you know, dosages and stuff? Or do you think he just, you know, took took these ideas from a real doctor? Well, Tony seems to know his stuff. I mean, I, I've seen his uh, his books, you know, his records, his composition books. Um, and he has all these little formulas and things that he scribbled down. I'm sure he may have consulted with some people. But he, 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 when you talk to him, he exudes a great deal of confidence. He's a wonderful and very charismatic uh, salesman and and. And you are correct in that he got results. I mean, in a gray market business, you're not doing a lot of advertising, you know, traditional advertising. You don't have radio spots and billboards and stuff. Um, his business built uh, by word of mouth. And it only built by word of mouth because he was getting results for his clients. Mm -hmm. That's the bottom line. And so um, it, I think some of those formulas were definitely his. I know he was going to what they call compounding pharmacies or compound pharmacies, which is apparently a legal thing where you can go and get certain products made, uh, built out of other supplements and vitamins. And he was creating his own products with his own formulas that he was then selling and prescribing, if you will, to his, to his clients so that you not only were 
you know, paying for his services, but you would have to pay for his product, his supplements uh, as well that were being done in these compounding pharmacies, um, which is just a weird thing. But that's a part of this this subculture uh, as well. He was inventing his own supplements, packaging them and producing them and then selling them to his to his clients. And another thing that you might want to keep in mind is that Manny either did not follow the specific protocol. That's what Tony calls them, protocols. Yeah. Uh, the specific protocol, which is exactly which substance in what quantities to take when. Uh, and, and if you take them, if you steer clear enough of game day, uh, you are supposed to not piss dirty. And the story goes that Manny took uh, a substance too close to game day and was randomly tested and pissed dirty. There's also the matter of it's also possible that Manny was taking something else mm. or seeing somebody other than Tony. Um, and there was other substances uh, involved. There's any number of things that could have that could have led to that. But to your point earlier, uh, Alex never failed a test, to my knowledge, no. during this scandal, during this period. He yeah. had, of course, earlier in the uh, in the century, um, but not not during the biogenesis scandal. That evidence was entirely born out of the uh, stolen documents that Porter Fisher provided the Miami New Times and, of course, Tony Bosch's testimony and records and text messages and travel documents and and everything that he had clearly uh, been uh, in, in contact with uh, Alex about this. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking speaking of Manny Ramirez, one of the one of the funniest things, I don't know. I hope this isn't a spoiler. You can tell me to cut this out. Or no, you think go, it ahead. Is. go ahead. But uh, <laughs> the, the, to me, the funniest part of the movie was when Manny Ramirez hired Tony Bosch, that he, that Tony Bosch had to sleep in the same room as he did in, in hotel rooms <laughs> and tell him that. bedtime stories. I was like, this is in this is like crazy. Like, it's almost too good to be true. You yeah. must have when you stumbled across this movie, you must have said, holy shit, I just hit the goal. Like, have you ever had? Is there any of, of all the movies you've made? Cocaine Cowboys, The U, The U Part Two, Broke. Uh, what's the What's the other fight one? I saw it on Dog Netflix. Fight. Dog fight. Dog yeah. fight. That was a good movie. Um, is this the craziest story you've ever come across? It's certainly the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, <laughs> it's It's one of those things where the more you learn about it, the less sense it makes, and yeah, right. that's just a great story. I, I keep telling people if you were a screenwriter or a novelist, and you were writing this story, you would be fired on page 15. I mean, <laughs> nobody would believe this shit. It doesn't make any sense. The character motivations, the decisions they make, people would be like, well, this is just dumb. Like, your your characters don't make any sense. Your story is illogical. You're fired. And and the fact that it's all real is just incredible. And, and the fact that it is such, I think, a uniquely Florida particularly South Florida story. I mean, really, you know, it's, these are uniquely Florida men, you know, um, and, and only in Miami characters. I really feel like we're just, just free basing Florida fuckery with this movie. <laughs> There's so much that I, I wish I could ask you about this, but I, I, I kind of, I, I just want to move on real quick, two or three more questions, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. Um, you, many of your films do take place in Miami. Like, uh, I think, Pretty much all of them do. Am I right? Um, most, most of them, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what what is your motivation? I know you're a, you're a Florida guy. You're from Miami, but um, what's your what's your goal in telling these stories? What are you trying to convey to your audience, or or what are you trying to do? 
Well, when you when you come from a place as as compelling and dynamic uh, and unique as as this, uh, you know, they always say to write what you know. So you want to tell the stories that you know, the ones that are close to home. Um, it happens that that there's a lot of appeal to Miami and, and Florida outside of these areas, you know, so we, so these are not provincial stories. They might f- be Floridiana. They might be very a, a super Miami bro, but there, <laughs> but there is, they seem to travel well, you know, people all over the world have a great interest in, in this place. Um, and they should, Miami is like America's Casablanca. It's a very, it's a, it's, it's a very unique, uh, uh, place. And I, what I always say is that, uh, L.A. is where you go when you want to be somebody. New York is where you go when you are somebody. And Miami is where you go when you want to be somebody else. Wow. It's just always been a sunny place for shady people. And that's true of all of Florida. And I think the most interesting thing about it is that the Miami of today is the America of tomorrow. So if you want to know what challenges we'll face or calamities will befall us as a nation in the years to come, you need only look at, at Florida and specifically South Florida. It's what T.D. Allman called the, the America's bellwether, the canary in the coal mine. Mm. And so there's a lot that can be learned about the rest of the, the country and where it's headed by what's happening here. So there's a lot of trends in sports, in drugs, in crime, in fraud, in government, in the politics. There's a lot of trends that if not start, started here, they are perfected here and really exported to the rest of the to the rest of the country, so I, mm. I think it's a, it's an important place to keep an eye on and to know what's happening uh, because it'll give you a sneak preview of uh, of the shit to come. Okay, cool. And what's do you have anything in the works coming up next? Uh, yeah, we're, we're working on a on a couple things. We've got a, a new project premiered at the Miami Film Festival last month called Magic City Hustle. Okay. Uh, it's kind of like the U meets broke meets dogfight. But instead wow. of backyard fighting, it's high lie. I don't know if you know the sport high lie. It's a, it's a uh, Spanish. That's a Spanish thing, right? It is a yeah. Spanish thing. Yeah, from the Basque region, you wear like the players wear these hooked baskets on their hand. Mm-hmm. It looks like what, what one of the players' kids said. It's like uh, like Maui's hook from Moana is what it looks like. <laughs> and uh, and they throw a ball really fast at the wall. The ball goes up to 150 miles an hour, depending on on who's throwing it uh, and how it bounces. Um, so it's a pretty dangerous sport. It's a pretty weird sport. And last year, a casino in Miami called Magic City Casino, which is like this locals casino where like everybody's abuelo y abuelita goes and like dances to salsa music and, you know, sits at the, uh, you know, the one-armed bandit um, for, for hours on end. Um, it's a funny place. And they decided they were a, uh, they were a Greyhound racetrack, you know, for, 88 years and they decided to get rid of the dogs and add high lie instead um because they need to do they need to run a paramutual in order to keep their casino open so the family are all university of miami alum and they're like very like they give a lot of money to the university but they've never really done anything for the players after they graduate so they decided that instead of hiring professional highlight players or even amateur highlight players they sent, they sent out an email to the entire athletic department, all former male athletes, and invited them to come and try out to play highlight. Nice. And it's like the replacements. It's bizarre, dude. It's like <laughs> they, these guys had – some of these guys never heard of highlight before. They, one of them said like to his girlfriend, he's like, hey, do you know what Jalala is? And she's like, Jalala? <laughs> like, you mean highlight? Yeah, because it's spelled J-A-I-A-L-I. <laughs> 
AI. So like they didn't even know how to pronounce it. They'd never put a cesta, the basket on their arms before. And from January, February of 2018, they started practicing. And on July 1st of last year, they became professional highlight players. It's like, it's like cool runnings or something, you know, it's yeah. like, it's, it's funny. It's really heartwarming. It's really, we call it magic city hustle. Cause it's also really about Miami's hustle economy, Miami's gig economy. Um, and these guys who, you know, who are kind of like trying to recapture former glory, you know, from their college sports, uh, days, or in some cases, some of these guys did go on Kenny Kelly went on to play in major league baseball. In fact, uh, he's mm-hmm. one of the highlight players. Um, you've got some guys who play in the NFL, um, who, who, you know, I mean, a long time ago, let's say who, who, who came to play high line. And it's just a really touching story about like what it takes to kind of survive, uh, in Miami. And, um, it's called magic city hustle. And hopefully we'll get a chance to see it later on this year. And we're doing dog fight round two. Oh, nice. Right now that begins with, uh, Dada 5,000, the okay. Don King of the backyard fighting Kimbo slice and that horrendous Bellator. Oh fight. man. Um, I remember that. Yeah, we were there in Texas with Dada in Houston when it went down, and it was devastating. I mean, it was just not only was it a terrible fight, but Dada died. He actually mm-hmm. coded, um, and we were there in the hospital. It was just a, a really a very emotional and very difficult time, and he survived miraculously. And he just did his first like professional fight as a promoter, um, and they did it in Cheyenne, Wyoming. They did oh MMA in a triangular cage. Oh man. It was batshit. Um, and we were there <laughs> covering that and it was pretty brutal. It was like, I think there was almost 12 knockouts in the 12 fights because it's a fucking triangle. There's like, no place, <laughs> there's no place to go. It's like brutal. I mean, I, you, I'm not sure how I feel about it yet, but it was, yeah, you won't, you won't, you won't be able to use the uh, children actors for that one no no <laughs> uh, we let the fighters speak for themselves so we'll yeah. speak with their fists anyway but yeah so so we're working on that now as well hopefully for uh for late the probably early 2020 yeah maybe you can go complete opposite and use really old people or something <laughs> oh man that'd be, that'd be so funny <laughs> <laughs> all right billy thank you so much for coming on the show we really enjoyed talking to you i urge everybody to watch screwball it really is an incredible documentary uh, I'm not just blowing smoke. This is It's unlike any documentary I think I've ever seen. It's really a crazy story. And um, thanks again, Billy. That was awesome. Anytime. Thanks for having me, guys. All right. Thanks, thanks Billy. When, when the Biogenesis thing came out as an A-Rod fan, I was, like, depressed because I was like, fuck, like, we had just gotten over the 2009 type of shit where he admitted that he had like taken and all that stuff and and it was like the whole world was against the a-rod but then this documentary kind of like makes me feel better about the whole thing because everybody was like dirty yeah it it makes you feel better not because a-rod like redeems himself because he doesn't like there's things in the in this documentary that i didn't know that make me feel worse about a-rod yeah yeah. but it makes me feel better because the way they made it seem was like he was orchestrating this whole thing and he wasn't, you know what yeah. I mean? Like and major like, league baseball, if to me, major league baseball comes out looking the worst than anybody else. Yeah. And I remember when everything was going on and how hard a was going at MLB. Like it was, it was literally a trying to sue MLB. And I remember thinking to myself like, yo, he can't be this dumb. Like he's, he's caught like, just give it up. But then watching this movie, I kind of understand why he was so pissed off about everything because basically like they made him the face of it. 
and he went down for it. Like he he basically took on like ninety percent of the heat. No, yeah, exactly. And, God, and, I'm an A-Rod fan, man. And he's the only one that that fought baseball on it, so he looks the worst. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, Ma- Manny Ramirez got lucky when he got caught because uh, what was it that happened? He Michael they Jackson just, died. Michael Jackson died. Farrah Fawcett died. So the story just died. But with Alex Rodriguez, that was like the number one story. You know what I mean? And yep. that's what I wanted to ask Billy, but then I started to feel like, okay, this guy's been on for 45 minutes. Like, I, won't, I don't want it to end like it end, it's ended before where they're like, okay, uh, I have to go. Like, do you have one more question? I wanted to, I wanted it to be more natural. Yeah. But I wanted to ask him, like, what the fuck possesses someone like Alex Rodriguez, the, like the best, arguably one of the greatest of all time, to go to a fucking doctor who had treated Manny Ramirez who got caught? You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, would you go and see a doctor? Maybe it, was, it wasn't Tony Bosch's fault that he got caught, but would you? he's been on the news. He, his name has been out there before, and you're still going to go back and say, I want what Manny, I want what Manny was taking? Like, yep. you're almost playing with fire a little bit. Yeah, I don't know, man. This this whole thing was so, like, crazy. Like, I don't even – I still kind of want to watch it again, you know? Like, I want to watch the whole thing over again. Me too. I like. I I thought it was a good movie. Like it, it didn't feel like a documentary to me. And I, every every single thing that happened in it, I was like, "This is fucking nuts." The Manny Ramirez tell me a bedtime story shit. I was like, "This is fucking crazy." <laughs> That's insane. But you, it's believable. You know what I mean? Like yeah. since we follow baseball, you're like that. Totally makes sense. Like that would be something Manny does. You know what I mean? And honestly, man, like. With Manny Ramirez and A Rod, and then you saw he had a he had his list of clients. There was like celebrities in there and shit. I'm just like nobody could tell me right now that there isn't performance enhancing usage in the major leagues right now. And it might be the biggest stars in the game, you know? Like not not just that, but Tony Bosch is not a doctor, but he's he is a he. From what I understand, well, maybe he was prescribing shit illegally, but. Um, whatever he was doing to A Rod wasn't it wasn't turning A Rod into some sort of superhuman player because yeah um, the, this was at the time that A Rod A Rod A Rod was in a decline but maybe it helped A Rod stay on the field a little bit more you know what I'm saying maybe this is like something Major League Baseball should see and say okay maybe we should ban performance enhancers should be banned but. If you're being like treated from a, by a doctor, a, a licensed doctor, a physician, maybe you you can allow it because it helps your players stay on the field for longer, <laughs> and that's your product. That's what you're selling. You know what I mean? Like exactly. So in now it's like Major League Baseball did such a big. They got their hand. They tried so hard to get their hands on his notebooks and all that shit that they could. They who knows if they tweaked it. Now they got their own guys to do this shit. Who knows? Like yo, it's it's. And and the thing is that I don't put it past Major League Baseball, man. You're talking to the CT conspiracy theorist over here. <laughs> you know, like I don't put it past Major League Baseball that they figured out a way to 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 get their cake and eat it too. You know, like yo, they figured out a way to juice the baseballs and not get caught for it. They figured, and the fact that A Rod is working, he's like the Sunday night baseball guy, and yeah. he's still and he was still an advisor to Yankees players. Mm. Like, come on, man, like. There's there's some there's shit there's shit going on man and one day we're gonna the truth will come out. Yep. It's gonna be crazy. It's gonna be crazy. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, Billy Corbin. Thank you, CT, as always. 
And just a reminder that the Welcome to the Show podcast is brought to you by Audible. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash welcome to the show to get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial. That's audibletrial.com forward slash welcome to the show. Peace out, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.